Chapter 26 of The Radio Planet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Radio Planet by Ralph Milne Farley. Chapter 26 The Debacle. Miles drew his knife, crouched in a corner of the dark room, and prepared to sell his life dearly. He was ready for searchers who might come groping through the room, but he was wholly unprepared for the sudden switching on of the electric lights. As he sprang to his feet and rubbed his eyes, he saw before him Nan-Nan and the sharpshooter whom he had sent back to the plane to get his second radio set. Behind them in the doorway were a score or more of cupians. Snatching the new set, he fastened it in place while the others waited, then articulate once more, you've come in the nick of time how did it happen the young priest replied through spies of our religion i located ohiabo he rounded up a number of his followers and we hastened hither the wall we found unguarded with a rope ladder hanging down and at its foot six dead soldiers in black togas we took their arms and mounted the wall only to be driven back by shots my shots miles interjected not at all nan nan replied for some came from the arsenal we could tell by the flashes several of our party were hit although not by you so your conscience may feel clear before we put a stop to this by shooting out all the outside lights then we rushed the guardhouse and here we are but where are your men dead all dead the earthman sadly replied even bahtetan oh then stepped forward and greeted his former chief yahoo kabit he cried may the dead rest beyond the waves we the living have work to do look the sky turns pink and silver in the east morning has come what do you propose morning means that the whistling bees will soon be upon us miles answered we must capture the arsenal before they arrive the party then took inventory of their supplies there were thirty-eight rifles forty cupians and miles cabin one man was promptly sent to the roof with cross sticks when these were recognized thirty-eight men under arms were marched up onto the roof as well it was considered advisable for cabin himself to keep under cover then oyabu unbarred the door and stepped out an officer from the arsenal advanced to meet him the two gravely patted each other's cheek the officer whose rank was that of puta inquired what is the idea of defying your king professor the idea ohia replied is that we have come to restore ku the thirteenth to the throne and the cupians to their proper dominion over the bees the guardhouse as you see is manned by sharpshooters fully armed a vast force unarmed but determined waits outside the walls if you surrender we shall spare your lives if not we shall rush the gates while our sharpshooters pick off any one who opposes and shall kill all whom we find within what say you the putah shrugged his shoulders what is there to say he replied we surrender provided we are given safe conduct safe conduct without arms agreed so the guard about a hundred in number in their black togas filed out of the arsenal through the guardhouse on to the wall along it and down the rope ladder the ladder was then hauled up again the puta looked around him where is your vast army he asked on the other side of the wall 
Oyabu replied with a smile. Now run a long way from here like a good little boy. But the officer and his followers started circling the wall to investigate. Before he gained the main gate, however, it had been opened, and for all he could tell, the vast army had passed inside. A guard stationed there advised him to get out of rifle range as speedily as possible, and twelve sentinels, who by now had manned the wall, bore out this menace. So, grumbling somewhat, the Puta led his men off toward the city. Thus did Miles Cabot and forty-seven practically unarmed followers capture the Kuana arsenal from its hundred defenders. Straggling Cupians now began to drift in from the city. These were put to work carting arms and ammunition out of the arsenal, and stacking it up in widely separated piles wherever cover could be found. Every Cupian who reported was issued a rifle and a full bandolier of cartridges. We may perhaps thus arm some enemies, Miles admitted, but we must take the risk. The majority will be friends. It was well that they removed all the ammunition which they could. It would have been better if they could have removed more. They all worked feverishly for half the morning, even taking the guards off the wall for this purpose. But they had scarcely made a dent in the supplies stored in the arsenal when a fleet of bees appeared on the southern horizon. In spite of the approaching menace, Miles and his men continued to work. The Hymernians flew low straight at the arsenal, until a volley from Cabot's men brought down two of them, and caused the rest to soar into the sky, whereupon they started dropping bombs on the arsenal, and on the men carting materials therefrom. Naturally, this put an abrupt end to Cabot's operations. His men scattered as rapidly as possible, and individually made for the city with small quantities of arms, keeping to cover as well as they could. Cupians from Kuana helped themselves to the rest, and by nightfall the captured supplies were pretty well distributed. The arsenal was a smoking ruin. All through the afternoon the bees flying low harassed whoever they saw moving on the streets, especially such as were carrying rifles, but these retaliated by firing at all bees that came within range, in spite of which very few bees were killed. Night brought a cessation of this sort of warfare. Emsul arrived and, of course, at once gave up the idea of his projected peace mission to Yuri. He and Cabot and Nanan and Oyabu spent the night under heavy guard at separated points throughout the city, securing much-needed sleep. Under cover of the darkness, many of their followers foraged in the ruins of the arsenal and secured a surprising quantity of undamaged material, being joined in the morning by the army in Kirkholz from the north. Before daybreak, a resolute band of several thousand loyal Cupians had gathered in the streets and houses surrounding the palace, and promptly at sunrise they launched an attack. They had expected to find the palace guard unarmed, but evidently a large quantity of the rifles and ammunition, which had been distributed through the city, had found their way to the palace, for the assault was at once repulsed by heavy fire from the palace guards. As Cabot's forces reformed for a second attack, they were deluged with explosives from above. The bee people had evidently not returned to their base at Watusa, but had spent the night nearby so as to be on hand to protect the palace. Whenever they sighted even a small group of Cupians, or whenever they had reason to suspect that some building was hostilely occupied, 
there they would drop one of their devastating bombs cabot's forces were completely at the mercy of the hymernians there was but one thing to do flee in vain the earthman and his able lieutenants tried to rally their troops but what was the use in assembling when assembly was the signal for a bomb from above what was the use of attacking the invincible bees miles cabot stood irresolute in one of the public squares he was as near to despairing as he had ever been in his many vicissitudes on the planet poro since his first arrival there five earth years ago oh if only he had airplanes with which to subdue the hymernians as in the days of old almost was he tempted to return to the vicinity of the arsenal ascertain whether his one plane was intact and if so fly alone in a last desperate attempt to give battle to his winged enemies the more he thought of the plan the more it appealed to him there seemed to be no other way out his bravely engineered revolution had crumbled if he stayed where he was he would undoubtedly be tracked down and put to some ignominious end by the usurper how much better then to die bravely fighting for his lilla and his adopted country and his baby he wondered where the little darling had disappeared to at least the infant king was out of yuri's clutches so his mind made up miles set out on a run for the wood overlooking the arsenal after a few parapaths he reached it there stood his plane rapidly he went over all the struts and stays and engine parts everything appeared to be in first-class order the fuel tanks contained plenty of alcohol how this machine had escaped capture or destruction was a marvel but probably the bees had been too busy bombing groups of cupians to take the time to explore the apparently deserted grove miles sprang aboard and was just about to start the trophal engine when a familiar sound smiting upon his earth-borne ears caused him to delay for a moment from the southward came the purr of many motors was the wish the father to the thought his longing for an air fleet with which to vanquish the bees had been so intense had it affected his mind and caused him to hear things which did not exist impossible for the purr of the motors was unmistakable he strained his eyes toward the southern horizon so that they might see what his ears heard but there was nothing there the radiant silver sky was untouched save by an occasional small cloud the bees still kept up their bombing of the city he could see them flying low over the housetops and up and down the principal thoroughfares ferreting out any groups of cupians who dared to gather in cabot's cause dropping bombs on any houses which presumed to fly the blue pennant of the ku dynasty in place of the yellow of yuri the bees did not heed the approaching plains from the south of course not for the whistling bees of poros had no ears they heard with their antennae and heard only radio waves at that in fact only short-length radio waves the noise of a large fleet of airships swept on out of the south nearer and nearer it came until it was right over the city and still not a single plane appeared in sight meanwhile the bees continued their depredations and the earthman sat in his own plane and watched and waited as he watched he saw one of the bees who happened to be flying higher than the rest suddenly vanish in a puff of smoke and then another and another 
the hibernians too saw this and rose to investigate whereat there came the shut-off whir of descending planes fascinated miles stared into the sky whence came these sounds and saw occasionally against gathering clouds a glint of silver light several more of the ascending bees exploded and now miles was able to see from time to time silhouetted on a background of cloud the ghostly form of an airship the bees too saw and flew to the attack what was this shadow fleet had the spirits of the brave cupian aviators of the past returned to free their beloved country from hymernian domination the two fleets bees and ghostly plains had now completely joined battle and were drifting slowly to the southeast miles came out of his trance started his engine and rose into the air intent on joining the fray on his way he circled over the city and gave it a glance in passing then he gave it a second glance for the cupians relieved of the menace of the bees were forming for a second attack on the palace instantly his plans changed what business had he running off to watch however interesting a sky battle when right here before him lay a chance to do what he had braved so many misfortunes to accomplish namely free his lilla from the unspeakable yuri veering sharply he landed on one of the upper terraces of the palace he still wore his bandolier of cartridges and still carried his rifle filling the magazine he boldly descended into the building no one guarded the approaches from the air for they depended on their aerial allies to do that for them the upper rooms were deserted doubtless because the women-folk were cowering in the basements because the palace guards and yuri's other henchmen were resisting the attack of cabot's cupians at the ground levels cabot himself explored the place unimpeded and unchallenged here he was at last at his journey's end but where was lilla lilla the blue-eyed princess lilla of the golden curls his lilla the rooms which he and she had occupied showed every sign of continued and present occupancy even to the crib of the baby king emblazoned with the arms of the house of q cabot looked reverently around the living rooms of his wife and child and then swept on into the lower levels of the palace occasionally he would come upon groups of defenders but they naturally assuming that he was one of them especially as he still wore the black toga of the arsenal guard gave him but little heed whenever the group was not too numerous he would shoot them he hated to do this but he knew he had to in order to save his loved ones then he traversed practically the whole of the upper reaches of the palace without encountering his arch-enemy yuri or any of the womenfolk yuri was no coward however much of a scoundrel he might be no one would ever accuse him of that therefore he was not in hiding he was apparently not in command of the defence therefore he must be either away from the palace or concocting some devilment figuring thus cabot continued to descend to levels below the ground floor while treading these subterranean passages searching ever searching for either lilla or yuri he came upon one of the palace guards the fellow was unarmed so cabot did not shoot instead he ordered up with your hands the guard promptly obeyed now said his captor the price of your life is to lead me to your king indeed i will with pleasure the soldier replied with a sneer 
for king yuri will make short work of one who turns traitor to his black garb the earthman smiled i am no traitor he announced and this black toga is merely borrowed fur do you not know cabot the minorian the other blanched good builder he exclaimed we did not believe the story that you had returned from the planet minos but i am at your orders for i am one of the old guard who served under king q the twelfth the father of princess lilla may he rest beyond the waves lead on and no treachery miles curtly replied i trust no one who has ever worn the livery of prince yuri so the guard led the way through many winding passages down into the very bowels of the subterranean labyrinths of the palace what could prince yuri be doing way down here unless he was hiding which seemed unlikely cabot became very suspicious and rifle in hand and finger on trigger watched his guide with eagle eye finally they came upon a form in an elaborate yellow toga huddled in a corner king yuri said the soldier laconically at the sound of the voice the usurper looked around and now it became evident that he was crouching there not for fear but rather because he was engaged in repairing something with a set of typical poverian queer-looking tools apparently not at all surprised he hailed his deadliest enemy and rival as though the latter were a long-lost friend yahoo cabot the minorian i rather expected you would turn up sooner or later just a minute until i fix this wire and then i will be at your service you see one of my minds wouldn't explode no one else seemed able to get at the cause of the trouble and so i had to come down here in person and so saying he turned back to his work miles stepped forward to see what prince yuri was doing for a brief moment the earthman's scientific curiosity got the better of his caution for that moment brief as it was proved long enough for the watchful soldier who had led him hither to snatch miles rifle from his hand and cover him with its muzzle up with your hands the soldier peremptorily commanded cabot obeyed not to do so would have been suicide yuri still unperturbed remarked well done tobo you shall be promoted for this shall i shoot him sire tobo eagerly asked no the usurper ruminated waving his antennae thoughtfully not just now wait until i finish with this wire in the meantime you might let the minorian lean against the wall so that he will be more comfortable so miles leaned against the wall and waited his hand still held high while the prince puttered around in the corner finally after a seemingly interminable period yuri arose slung his tools together brushed one hand against the other and looked at his victim with a cruel smile shall i kill him now asked tobo no i am reserving that pleasure for myself the prince replied then to cabot at last you are in my power i intend to shoot you myself i intend to shoot you down unarmed turning to tobo the prince asked how is our battle going very well sire the soldier replied we are repulsing all assaults in spite of the departure of the bees to the southward a momentary cloud of doubt spread over the sinister handsome visage of prince yuri then he smiled and said doubtless the bees know what they are about and will soon return to the fray so let us proceed with the execution follow me miles followed 
almost was he tempted to spring upon his enemy and attempt to throttle him before the inevitable bullet from tobo could do its work it would be well worth the sacrifice of his own life to rid cupia of this incubus but what if yuri should survive no it would never do to risk this so he meekly followed the prince led the way up several levels until they came to a small circular chamber hung with curtains at one side was a dais an electric vapor lamp on the ceiling furnished the light prince yuri took the rifle from the guard stood miles in the centre of the room and sat down himself on the dais then he directed tobo go and summon the princess lilla hither for i wish her to see me kill this lover of hers this beast from another world miles winced at the mention of his beloved and thereat his tormentor smiled the soldier departed on his errand yuri toyed with the weapon and watched his victim with a sneer on his handsome lips miles returned his stare without flinching you can put down your hands now if you wish you fur-faced mathla the prince remarked cabot did so and instinctively felt of his face the insult was unwarranted for he had shaved only that morning don't go too far he admonished his captor remember Pobloth's proverb you cannot kill a minorian i've a mind to kill you right now the prince replied just to prove that your friend is wrong go ahead and try it miles challenged half hoping that yuri would take him at his word and thus spare lilla the pain of attending the execution a grim look settled on the usurper's face as he slowly raised the rifle and pointed it at the earthman's right side left side miles admonished remember that my heart is on the other side than is the case with you cupians my but you are a cool one yuri admired shifting his arm as directed now are you prepared to die yes miles replied it all seemed like a dream it couldn't be possible that he was really going to die on the far-away planet venus perhaps all his adventures in the sky had been a mere dream and he was now about to be awakened thus do i bring peace to poros the cupian sententiously declaimed his finger closed upon the trigger the rifle spat fire end of chapter twenty six